using pre-planned lines on dating apps to start conversation does not work generally for women because we have a sixth sense. We have like a sniff test. We can tell that those lines are maybe lines that you got from a YouTube pickup artist dude, or you even maybe came up with it on your own, but now you've used it for every single girl over and over and over. It's like that saying, give a man a fish and he'll eat for a day or teach a man how to fish and he'll eat for a lifetime. Give a man a pre-written line and he'll date for a day. Teach him how to banter and he'll date for a lifetime or maybe not a lifetime because you'll find the one right away and then you'll stop dating and you'll just be married. But you know what I mean? I am Kristen from kristenandchill.com and I am the banter queen. I teach guys how to charm more than just the socks off of women. And if you're struggling in conversation, if you're getting ghosted, if you're never hearing back, if you're never ever getting the results that you deserve, hit me up at kristenandchill.com. Want to know the hidden meaning behind what women say and do? Then check out the Chictionary. It's the Wing Girl Methods manual that gives you a full rundown of all the things women say that confuse men written in dictionary format. Go get a copy of the Chictionary by going to winggirlmethod.com slash chick. That's winggirlmethod.com slash chick. Coming up on this week's episode of the Ask Women podcast, we have the amazing David Buss, who is talking about the differences between men and women, the conflict between men and women. And we're diving into all of the research that he did to write his newest book, When Men Behave Badly. He's going to dissect why men behave badly, what men are behaving badly about, and where all of this badness, I'm putting air quotes, but badness comes from. And the truth is, For a lot of guys, it's not really your fault. And we reveal all that information on this podcast. So keep listening. Hey, you guys, welcome back to another episode of the Ask Women podcast. I'm your host, Kristen Carney. You know me by now. And of course, I'm here with Marnie Kinris. And today we're joined by a very special guest who was on years ago. And we didn't scare him away, apparently, because he's back. So we have David Buss. He really just forgot, probably. <laughs> yeah. or he forgot about us and doesn't even remember doing it the first time. But I have a feeling he does remember. No, he's I a do. smart guy. I very much do. Awesome. Because David is an American evolutionary psychologist at the University of Texas at Austin. And he researches human sex differences in mate selection. And he is considered one of the founders of evolutionary psychology, kind of intimidating. And his new book is called When Men Behave Badly. So I think our listeners are going to be able to relate to this. So thanks for hanging out with us, David. Hey, my pleasure. Wonderful to talk to you. Yes. Oh my gosh, David. So I am a huge fan of yours. So even from the first time that I was introduced to you and you, I, we had you on the podcast, I was like gaga over your book, The Evolution of Desire. And I've been quoting it a lot recently, just from like the findings that you discovered in this book. And so then I thought to myself, oh, like, let's get him back on. I want to hear him either talk about this or whatever he's working on. So I would love if you could give our listeners a little bit of a background on you, maybe a tidbit on the evolution of desire. And then I definitely want to dive into when men behave badly because it is fascinating. I will be honest and say I got to like two chapters of it, to be honest, but I'm a very slow reader. I'm more of an audiobook person, yeah. but she can't read. 
I can't read. Yeah. <laughs> I find it absolutely fascinating. But I, I would love for our audience to just get to know you and like the work that you've done and the background that you have because it's absolutely amazing, impressive, and something that will be very helpful for them. So take it away. Okay. Well, thank you. I mean, it's delightful for me to be back on the podcast and chatting with you. I remember the first time we met, I think it was at one of those uh, iDate conferences in Las Vegas, maybe. Yes. So it's all good. I'm glad to talk to you again. So a little bit about me. So I'm a professor at the University of Texas at Austin. Actually, everyone from California seems to be flocking to Austin. We have a ton of people moving in and driving up housing prices, but Austin's a wonderful place to live. My background is like I'm a PhD in personality psychology at Berkeley, UC Berkeley, taught at Harvard for four years, Michigan for 11 years, and then moved to the University of Texas. And my major research area is human mating strategies. And I guess my most well-known book, hopefully this one will surpass it, is The Evolution of Desire, as you mentioned, Evolution of Desire, Strategies of Human Mating. And in that book, what I do is identify sexual selection as a key driving force of mating of all sexually reproducing species of which we're one and identify what men and women want both in short-term mates long-term mates and then how they go through the process of attraction mate attraction mate competition as people compete for desirable mates because desirable mates are always in short supply relative to people who are trying to get them or attract them mate retention tactics, conflict between the sexes, and then I end with harmony between the sexes. So that's a book, and I just revised it a few years ago. So it's out in a new paperback edition, and I'm very happy about that. The new book focuses on conflict between the sexes. And this is an extremely important topic, um, maybe especially relevant now with the Me Too movement, with sexual harassment cases, with prominent people like uh, Harvey Weinstein from Hollywood, uh, Bill Cosby, Mario Cuomo from New York, Jeffrey Epstein. And so I think it's critical that we understand the causes of conflict between men and women so that we can reduce them. And in particular, the book, so a little bit of background about the book, the new book, uh, When Men Behave Badly, The uh, Hidden Roots of Sexual Deception, Harassment, and Assault. When I originally conceived of the book, I viewed it as uh, treating men and women equally in the sense of inflicting costs on each other and each developing defenses to prevent those costs from being inflicted on them. And so the first five chapters or so deal with that. They deal with deception on the mating market and internet dating, and both men and women do it. Yeah. But as a tactic, that was the interesting part that I took away from what the parts that I was reading was that all of it is a tactic used by both men and women to select better mates, right? That's why these are in places. And as the world shifts, we have to create new tactics. Yeah, exactly. And where deception plays in is that people are trying to fulfill the desires of the opposite sex by presenting them in a positive light, but it's very specific ways in which they do it. So men deceive on their height, for example. So if they're 5'10", they kind of round up to six feet and they round up about two inches. They exaggerate their income by about 20%, their status at work. Women tend to deceive about weight. So they shave about 15 pounds off their weight. And age. And both sexes, of course, post photos that are not necessarily representative of what they actually look like. So both sexes engage in that deception. And also conflict within relationships. Both sexes engage in 
sexual infidelity, obviously, but also financial infidelity, another domain that I talk about. So keeping secret bank accounts, having credit card statements mailed to work rather than home. So these forms of financial infidelity also occur within long-term mating relationships. But then in the second half of the book, I focus on the nastier side of conflict between the sexes where deal with things like um, unwanted sexual attention, sexual harassment in the workplace, intimate partner violence, stalking in the aftermath of breakups, and of course, sexual assault. And one of the things, and I'll mention one of the key themes of the book, and then let you ask a question. Yeah. Since I'm a model, <laughs> no, but I love here. everything that you're saying. <laughs> I'm like gaga over this. I think it's so fascinating. One of the themes is that men and women, and this may not surprise you, Marty, but men and women differ fundamentally in their evolved sexual psychology. And I occupy an academic environment where there's a lot of uh, what I call sex difference denialism now, where people don't want to believe that there are psychological sex differences, but the evidence is overwhelming. I mean, it's, it's one of the things that I say is that I would rather be scientifically correct than politically correct. Yeah. Oh, you just yeah. made Kristen's eyes pop out. She's like, I love you for saying that. <laughs> <laughs> My heart all of a sudden just said, da, 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 da. I get so passionate about this stuff. Have you gotten in trouble at all? Are people at all trying to cancel you for following science? Or are you pretty much good on your campus? Yeah, no, I'm good. So I co-teach a course in human sexuality with my good friend and co-author, Cindy Meston. We wrote a book together called Why Women Want Sex. But I think that really helps that we co-teach it. It's a very popular course. We get, like this semester, we have 630 students. Oh my God, wow. Enrolled in the course. It's an online course this semester or virtual. But I think that there might be a few disgruntled people who don't like it. But when I have them for a full semester, I just outlined the the arguments and the evidence, you know, the hypotheses, the theories and the evidence for them. I'm not trying to brainwash them. I don't have any political agenda that I'm pushing. Right. I just want to adhere to the science. I love you. I, <laughs> You're well, normal. You're thank sane. You. Let's take you up She's on that. She's blind Austin. Uh, <laughs> She's on her way right now. Yeah. <laughs> but one of the odd things is that the sex difference denialism actually harms women. It harms the half of the population that is most likely to be a victim of sexual violence. So anyway, so that's sort of the nutshell of it. And I use what in evolutionary theory is called sexual conflict theory, which basically is analogous to co-evolutionary arms races between predators and prey. So we know that like for cheetahs and gazelles, for each increment in the speed and agility of the cheetah, that selects for increments in speed and agility of the gazelle because the slower gazelle basically become the dinner of the cheetah, but the slower and less fleet of foot cheetah, they starve to death because they can't catch the food. And so there's this co-evolutionary arms race of offenses and defenses. And we understand this quite well when it comes to predator-prey relationships. But what I argue in the new book is that similar co-evolutionary arms races occur within our species between men and women. 100%. Especially now, because as you said before, we're trying to deny that these differences exist. So David, I would love to just get into some of the science of this, because I think that that's, like, that's what's piqued my interest the most about this and has always piqued my interest the most are the differences between men and women. And I believe they, they do exist on psychological levels, emotional levels, physical levels, all of that. 
I would love if you could, I'm not going to tell you, ask you to break down all of the differences, but the majority of the guys who are listening to this show are single or potentially might be in a relationship, but most of them are single and are looking to either get back out there or just be out there and be successful with the opposite sex. And there's a lot of things that they are encountering nowadays that might confuse them, frustrate them, mainly because they are men, don't have the same system as women, experiences, brain, chemicals, hormones, all of that stuff. Can you outline some of the the major psychological differences that either people want to debate or don't understand that might affect some of these men in their dating mating rituals? Sure. I'd be happy to do that. So one of the things actually is, this is why my first book, The Evolution of Desire, is really the foundation for the answer to your question. So women have evolved an extraordinarily large number of mate preferences, things they desire, and men are oblivious to a bunch of them. <laughs> you know, so some men think, well, if I make a lot of money, then everything in the mating domain will take care of itself. Well, that's not true. So even like things like olfactory ability, Women have a greater sense of smell, a more acute sense of smell than men. And so men sometimes like, you know, I'll skip the shower. And this can be a big turnoff to women. And so males tend to be more visual and don't use as many of their other senses, but women use all of their senses. And so there are many ways in which men can improve their ability to attract a woman by embodying the qualities that women desire in potential mates. Now, one of the, the, your question is about what are some fundamental sex differences? Well, one of them, and the one that I highlight, or one of the ones I highlight in the new book, is desire for sexual variety. And what I mean by this is men's desire for a variety, sex with a variety of different women. And so this shows up in many different forms. So how many sex partners would you like to have over the next month or over the next year? Men want a larger number of sex partners than women on average. There's overlap in the distributions, of course. How much time you let elapse before seeking sex? Well, for men, it's ideally close to zero. Really? Here's a study that I'll mention that I talk about in the book. So male and female members of the experimental team walk up to members of the opposite sex on a college campus. And they say, hi, I've been noticing you around campus lately. I find you very attractive. Would you, and they ask them one of three questions. Would you go on a date with me tonight? Would you come back to my apartment with me? Would you have sex with me? And so of the women approached uh, by the men, 50% or so agreed to the date with the guy, 6% agreed to go back to his apartment, 0% agreed to sex. Most women need a little more information or a little more psychological involvement before consenting to sex. Of the men approached by the female confederates, 50% agreed to go out on the date with her, 69% agreed to go back to her apartment, and 75% agreed to have sex with her. So you can see that this is like a manifestation of the sex difference where men are perfectly comfortable having sex with total strangers that they have no emotional connection with, and women are much less likely to do that. They typically want some emotional involvement. They want more information, the qualities that women that are central and important to women require more time to evaluate. So, and this is another sex difference where physical appearance looms larger in men's mate preferences than it does in women's. Now, of course, it's extremely important in women's. Women like physically fit men, men with a high shoulder to hip ratio, men who are athletic, men who are 
not the kind of muscly, like over-muscled guys right. that you see in these, you know, muscle building magazines. But healthy. Yeah, healthy and physically fit. So women do value physical appearance, but just not as much as men do. Men just prioritize it like crazy. And so that's one of the sections. And physical appearance can be evaluated in a split second. So men are more likely, for example, to fall in love at first sight. They can walk into a party and see a woman across the room and say, I'm going to marry that woman. That is the woman of my dreams. Women are much less likely to do that. They, they need more information about the guy because the qualities that they desire take more time to evaluate. Now, is this guy reliable? Is he dependable? Is he emotionally stable? Does he have drive? Does he have ambition? Is he going places? Uh, does he have an ex-wife and three kids that are badgering him all the time? I wonder if there's like a simple sentence that guys could say that could like knock out all these questions. <laughs> like, oh, I really like sad movies. And why don't you hold this for two seconds? I'll come back in two. Like there must be some way that like, a man could display each of these traits in a semi-speedy process, right? Or does it actually take time to process? I think it takes time to process. So yeah, you might be able to speed it up a little bit, but I'll give you an example on this is, so one thing I sometimes advise people if they're getting serious about someone is, as I say, go on vacation together to some place that neither of you have ever been, like go to a foreign country for two weeks. Iowa. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Iowa. That's very foreign uh, for me. Yeah. yeah. So you put people under basically tests, stressful situations where you might not, not know the currency, you don't know the local customs, you don't know how to order food at the restaurant. And it's under these conditions where you see someone and how they react to these stresses. You gauge their emotional stability, their social intelligence, and compatibility, of course. And so I think that you, some of those things you can't really speed up. It's like when things are going really well, it's very easy. But it's for long-term mate selection, you want to know, is this person going to be there in times of stress, in times of tragedy, et cetera. And how will they handle it? And how will they handle it? Exactly. And yeah. so I think women are very sophisticated about that. So you have sex differences in mate preferences. We know also, even as men prioritize physical attractiveness, women tend to prioritize a man's status and his resources, his ambition, his drive. Is he going places or is he a slacker who likes to play video games eight hours a day with a six pack of beer on his stomach uh, lying on the couch eating cheetos rather than you know actually doing something yeah doing something pursuing a good career yeah well let me ask you a question because a lot of this evaluation falls under this header of tests like that's how most men perceive questions from women or even like you said going on a vacation to see whether or not this person is a b and c how can we, because this might be a psychological difference, how can we explain to men the difference between planned out tests that is purposely put in place, hope, not hoping a man would fail? Like what I'm trying to ask is how do we position a female test for selecting in a more positive light so that men don't feel so under the microscope all the time when they are in a dating scenario? Yeah, well, that's a great question. And I'm not sure I have a great <laughs> answer to it. I mean, I think that exposing yourself to different environments is really one of the keys. And I mean, I would advise guys to act naturally. I mean, don't overthink it. It's very difficult to 
disguise who you really are. And in the long term, you don't want to disguise who you are. You want the person to see who you are and to like what they see. But finding out that information, exposure to different environments is the key. So go to a nightclub, go out to dinner, go out to movies, go to a concert, go for a walk in the park, go surfboarding or play a sport together or whatever. Yeah. So those are a few things. So so on the new book, though, so one of my goals, and, and this may not be a goal of your male listeners, but it should be, and that's that I want to reduce conflict between the sexes. That's why I wrote this book. And reduce things like sexual harassment and other bad stuff that men do. So sexual harassment, yeah, some women engage in sexual harassment in the workplace, but most of the perpetrators are men. Most of the victims are women. But it's a minority of men who do these things. The serial sexual harassers like, say, Harvey Weinstein or Jeff Epstein or serial sexual coercers. And it hurts men because most men find these things abhorrent. They find them unethical and morally disgusting that women are sexually harassed by a boss or a coworker or whatever, or, or coerced into having sex when the woman doesn't really want to. And so the fact that this subset of men who identify in the book as high in the dark triad of personality traits who pursue a short-term mating strategy, we can get into the details of that. This small subset of men commits the vast majority of these abhorrent acts to women, but that hurts men because they get tarred and feathered with the same brush. And it's not all men. What is the motivation for men to harass? Is it an ego thing? Is it an insecurity thing? Well, there are different motivations, but sexual motivation is way up there. So sometimes, yeah, yeah, it's an exercise of power. Sometimes it's like showing off to their bros. But most of the time, it's they're seeking short-term sexual opportunities. It's as simple as that. See, as a woman, I think, oh, well, it must be a bigger thing. But it literally is a dude just wants to get off. And that's as simple as that to put it politely. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. yeah. And they often disguise it. I mean, one one of the interesting things in my research is that men often use the same tactics when attracting a woman for a short-term mate and a long-term mate. That is, when attracting a woman for a short-term mate, they'll often display cues to long-term interest, highlight similarities between him and the woman, that they share common values, common worldviews, common outlooks on the world, and also display that they're more invested or interested or emotionally committed to her than they really are. Because if men like do the hi, I find you attractive, let's have sex, that's not going to work. And in fact, it backfires. It's a very ineffective tactic to approach sex too quickly. But what that does is it poses a problem for women of how to distinguish between the guys who are interested in them for a relationship or just for a short-term shag, as they would say in the UK. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I want to take a quick break and then I want to come back with David because I want to dive deeper into using the information and the research that you've done in this book to help the guys that are listening. So we're going to be back in a couple of minutes. So stay tuned for more from David Buss and When Men Behave Badly. We are back and better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back on for another football season. And as always, BetOnline is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, BetOnline continues to be the number one source for 
everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Don't forget to use our promo code CLNS50 to receive your bonus. From football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet Online, where the game starts. If you listen to the Ask Women podcast, then you are already miles and miles and miles ahead of other men when it comes to attracting and getting the girls you want. But I must confess, there's one missing piece in the puzzle, and that's flirting or the ability to ignite sexual chemistry with any girl you meet in a matter of minutes. Most guys suck at flirting. They can't flirt their way out of a paper bag. But as your personal wing girl, I can't let you be one of those guys. That's why I want to show you the most effective step-by-step formulaic approach to flirting with any girl you like. This formulaic approach has been tested on thousands of girls and has been proven to work like magic. Yes, magic. You just apply the formula and see results instantly and it's that powerful. To find out everything about this flirting formula, all you have to do is go to winggirlmethod.com slash flirty. I've made a special video for you where I reveal what this formula is all about. Go to winggirlmethod slash flirty and you'll find out all about it. We are back with David Buss. And before I dive into the question that I had before the break, like, how do you do all of this research? Like, who are you researching? Who are you asking questions of? Because I know for the evolution of desire, you like went around the world and collected data from people in large cities, small tribes, like different countries all over. So how did you conduct the research for your newest book? Okay, well, I've been doing it for a number of years. And so we do some laboratory experiments. So for example, we set up one study where we had, it's like a speed dating study where we brought five men and five women in groups into the lab and had them interact with each other for a few minutes and then rate, well, how interested is this person in you and how interested are you in this person? And then they switch partners, interact again. And so this is one of the studies that we, where we discovered experimentally what I call the male sexual overperception bias. So that as men look at a woman, woman smiles at the man, man thinks, ah, she wants my body. She's interested in me. Whereas the women might be, now it might be sexual interest, but it might be just politeness or friendliness or even nervousness of the guy's a creep. And so smile is inherently abased. Or she accidentally or casually brushes up against his arm. He thinks, ah, it's on. She touched me. It's on. And so men over and for sexual interest when it's not there, but it's a subset of men who are particularly prone to the sexual overperception bias. That is men high on narcissism, that is they think they're hot, but they're not, or they think they're hotter than the other people think they are, and men who pursue a short-term mating strategy. These are the men who are most susceptible to this sexual overperception bias. And that's a bias that leads to conflict and sexual harassment because it leads to unwanted sexual advances. Because guys are thinking, oh, she's giving me the green light when they're not. And so I think even just awareness of this sexual overperception bias, awareness by men, they have it, and also awareness on the part of women that men have this can at least help. So let me put it in a slightly different context. 
Marnie, we're all stuck in the interiors of our own minds and brains. And so we don't know exactly what's going on in the minds and brains of other people. So we have to make inferences about it. What people do often is they use their own sexual psychology as the sort of starting point for inferring that of other people. And if you're trying to infer that of the other sex, the opposite sex, you're going to make mistakes because there are these fundamental sex differences in our evolved sexual psychology. And so I think even just educating people about these sex differences can help reduce a lot of the conflict between the sexes. I think so as well. And so like, if I could repeat back what you said to me in a way that I can understand it. Basically, what you've said is that, and I have this happen from a lot of clients as well, they have an interaction with a woman and because she smiles, because she laughs at them, because she potentially touches them in one place, they assume, all right, she's into me, game on. Whereas on the, not opposing side, but on the other side for a woman, for her, that just means I'm paying attention, I'm engaged, but I'm not really there just yet. And as you said before, in the first half of the show, a woman takes a lot longer to get to that same conclusion, whereas a man takes a much shorter period of time to come to that same conclusion. Is that correct? Yes, that's exactly right. And that causes conflict. I completely understand that. I know that obviously my audience is not these guys who are going out and harassing women and stalking women and assaulting women. That's not who they are. They are amazing, unbelievable guys who just want to become better, more confident, and tap into those skill sets that you've talked about at the very beginning of the show or those traits that they have that women actually would be very attracted to. I don't want to say like, how can they use what these douchebags are using to create attraction? But I kind of am asking that. Like, because they're good-natured, authentic, honest men, What are some of the things that these jerks are doing that are gaining attraction from these women, but then misusing all of the attraction to further their own agenda, to harass and objectify women? I feel horrible asking this, but are there things that these men can use as well, but with good intention? Yeah, yeah, I think there are. And one thing that you mentioned, I think is actually critical, and that's confidence but not fake confidence, not bragging about how great you are or whatever, but genuine confidence. And genuine confidence comes from genuine accomplishments. Have you actually done things in life, started a business, obtained a promotion, secured a good job, displayed athletic skill? Confidence can't be faked. And I think women are really good at discerning or differentiating men who have fake confidence versus the genuine article. So I would say that men who develop the qualities in themselves that women desire will lead to that genuine confidence. I totally agree with you. I do want to dive into the conflict a little bit more. Sure. So that's what the book's all about. (laughs) I know. Yeah. So all of this conflict that's happening with women and men, the biggest part that I was reading was the part about the spider in the very beginning of the book that talks about how like, Male spiders basically pounce on female spiders to impregnate them or to have sex with them. And so female spiders have developed these new systems or tactics so that that can't happen as easily, right? And then males, the male spiders, have also developed their own tactics to try to trick the women to have sex with them so they can spread their genes, as my four-year-old calls it now. Uh, Yeah, trick not the women, the female spiders. 
The potato spider, <laughs> yeah. sorry. But, but, I, I make so, that error all the, all the time. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm referring to some chimps or something, and I say, well, this guy or this woman says. I know. Well, you're like, yeah, same thing. But you're right. Everybody is all related in some way because we do all use very similar tactics in our own lives to avoid or succeed. So with the conflict that is happening, are you noticing a huge increase in disgruntled, frustrated, agitated men because we've been living for a very long time and there's new things that are in place that are making the hurdles even more difficult for men? Are you noticing this huge increase in conflict between men and women? And how do we help this conflict so that it doesn't get to this crazy level? Because I know there's groups like MGTOW now and incels and like all of these underground groups that are popping up of really angry, angry men who really they're angry because they're just not getting sex that they think that they deserve. So how do we deal with this conflict for these men? Well, I think there are a couple of things. So to be concerned about, I don't know if there's been a dramatic increase in conflict between the sexes, but it is, I mean, the internet allows crystallization of communities of like-minded people. So you mentioned the incels, and that's one of them. But here's something that is insufficiently appreciated about this with respect to your question. Evolution has implanted in the male brain this desire, sexual desire, that can never be fulfilled. Except if you're, I don't know, Mick Jagger or Leonardo DiCaprio or whatever. Right. David Crosby. I just heard about him and his sexual (laughs) escapades. It's crazy. So I, I recently got an email from a guy who read my book. He's 85 years old. And he said, now I understand. He said, this guy probably has no sex life at all. I'm guessing. I don't know. Maybe 85-year-olds do. But at any rate, he said that he's tortured. His brain punishes him every day when he walks down the street and he passes by six women and he finds himself evaluating them on their sexual attractiveness. He described it as a punishment because it's a desire that simply can never be met. And so it's not a blessing that men have this desire. And it's especially not a blessing for the incels who find themselves unable to attract a woman. Now, I think I'm absolutely convinced, and and you're a key example of this as someone who helps men, that these incels can be helped a lot. Some of it has to do with spectrum disorders. So where guys are more aspy, they're more on the Asperger spectrum. And so Part of the defining feature of that is that they lack good mind-reading abilities. And so they can't understand what women are thinking and doing in women's psychology, but that can be overcome with sufficient knowledge and perhaps training and practice. And then some of these are guys, so they might have a lot of other positive qualities, but they lack that mind-reading ability to engage with a woman. But some of the men just simply lack the qualities that that women want that can be improved upon. So like I mentioned, olfactory ability, boy, pay attention to your hygiene, you know, shower more than once a week. I know they're simple things. That's the thing. It is very simple. Exactly. Yeah. Go to the gym, become physically fit, show that you are emotionally stable, that you're not going to fall apart under stress. Because another thing that women value is protection. You know, that is a guy who is has both the physical ability and the psychological bravery to protect her if she needs protecting, if something goes wrong in the environment. And so protection, and that historically over evolutionary time, that's been a key thing for women. 
is a guy who can protect them. And so these are all qualities that guys can improve on. I also think that it's possible these communities, I mean, I feel bad for them in a way, but I think their attributions are often misplaced. That is, they blame women for the fact that they are not able to attract women when in fact they can do things to do so. I completely, completely agree with you. Okay, I could talk to you for another four hours and I probably should sign up for your virtual class because I think I would be fascinated by it. (laughs) But David, I'm going to end the show now, but thank you so much for coming on and talking with us. I love this new book, When Men Behave Badly, The Hidden Roots of Sexual Deception, Harassment, and Assault. And I think it's something that every man should read because it really explains who they are, how they're built, and how they work. And I think it's really important for people to know these things about themselves, what they're potentially capable of, where they may be misguided, and where there's things that are sort of beyond their control, simply because they're men. I think the point that you stated where it's kind of a curse in 2021 to be in a man's brain sometimes because that's just naturally how you are. As much as you shove it aside to not be this kind of guy, you are attracted by something that you see and you do want to spread your seed. That is your natural impulse and urge as a man and your gift as a man as well. So I think people should definitely get a copy of this book and read it so that they can get a better understanding of it. Because as you said, understanding is really the first step to helping. Like just having the knowledge, it's complete power. So thank you for being on the show. Do you want to tell people where they can get this book and where it's available? I'm assuming it's everywhere books are sold, but... (laughs) Yes, it's everywhere. On Amazon is an easy way to do it. Or people can go to my website, which is davidbuss.com. So just my name, davidbuss.com. And I have links there to all of my books, as well as to the original scientific articles, which can be downloaded for free. And the books are very reasonably priced as well. So davidbuss.com or Amazon to get the book. But yeah, it's been great talking to you, Marnie. And we do have we do have at least another four hours of conversation ahead of us. And what I'd like to do next time is interview you. I would love that. Oh my God, I would be honored. So let's do that. I think that would really be fun. <gasps> I would love that. Well, I'll just tell you something. So I co-wrote a book with a marriage and family therapist named Tara Harrison, who's fantastic. And she and I are still doing some work with each other. And she does a lot of work with who's the couple that teaches about relationships. They're older. They do uh, safe communications or safe conversations. Oh, I forgot. Who anyway, there's like 10 people who are in the top names, I think, in the relationship space. And these are those people, but I forget. Anyway, and I had mentioned that I was interviewing you. I was like, oh, do you know David Bush? She goes, of course I know David Bush. Everybody <laughs> in my field knows David Bush. I was like, okay, well, that's so wonderful that you know him. She's like, please tell him that I say hello. And he's done amazing work. So I wanted to pass that on to you. Just saying you're famous in my world. So in other worlds too, but I think you're doing amazing work and Evolution of Desire is still in my field of what I'm doing. One of the best books and resources that I can pass on to the guys that I work with because there is that scientific evidence there that they're not getting from other YouTube videos or or other dating experts. And I, as you said in the beginning, I like things to be based in science and be scientifically correct, not politically correct. It's my long-winded way of saying thank you for coming on the show. I would love to be interviewed by you. That would be amazing. Thank you. Let's plan it. I would love it. I'll shoot you an email. I think that'd be a lot of fun. Okay. I would absolutely love it. And Kristen, thank you for being on the show. I have a little bit of a third wheel syndrome doing this podcast over the internet. (laughs) But don't worry. I have a lot of confidence. It doesn't affect me. So you guys go. (laughs) Yeah, she's fine. It's because you're always (laughs) slightly delayed. You need better internet. 
you need better internet and then you can be a first wheel so that you're a part of it. I think that's what the issue is. But guys, new episodes of the Ask Women podcast come out every Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific. Chris and I are going to take some time off in October, but you probably won't hear this until after October. So sorry for the reruns, but you guys are awesome. We will see you next week. <laughs>